Welcome to the Voices of Women Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tatiana Resnik, a practicing physician and a certified life coach. You will hear about inspirational journeys and practical tips from amazing women physician experts, as well as effective coaching tools and steps to joyful success. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of our podcast, Voices of Women Physicians. Today, we will discuss very interesting topic and very unique approach. We all know that investment in real estate might be quite lucrative, but do you know that it is possible to reach financial independence with just one property? Now we will learn how to do it. And we have very, very special guest here, Dr. Christy Kleep. Welcome, Christy. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, about what you do. Sure. So I'm a physician. I'm a hospitalist. I still work part-time. I have a husband who's also a physician, and I have four kids who are 12 and under that keep me plenty busy in all my spare time. Oh, that's wonderful. And tell us about what you're doing with real estate and how did you start in it? Sure. So back about 2012, 2013, I got interested in real estate. We were going from being residents to attendings and we got hit with this massive tax bill that we were caught off guard by. We didn't anticipate it. Our incomes had changed so much that we all of a sudden were like, how are we going to come up with tens of thousands of dollars to pay this tax bill? We just finished residency. We don't have a lot of cash on hand, et cetera. And so I learned about trying to figure out ways to offset W-2 income, which obviously Obviously, there's not very many, but I had heard about this thing called the short-term rental loophole to be able to do that. And so I had gone to my husband and I'm like, oh, this is a great idea. Let's do this. And he said, absolutely not. We are not going to be landlords. Nope. We just got through all of our training to become doctors. We are not changing course to unplug toilets at two o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, okay, okay, fine. But over the next several years, I did more and more research about real estate and really learned how it's really a phenomenal tool to create wealth, to be able to create passive income, to offset taxes, and to just be able to use that to be able to have a way to have a passive income that can allow you to potentially be able to live on your own terms and not necessarily be the slave to the paycheck. And so it took me about five years of really deep dive analysis, paralysis, learning, trying to convince my husband to get on board. And finally, as I started to show him the numbers of what real estate and short-term rentals can do, he was like, okay, fine, I get it, I'm on board. But it did take me about five years to get there, get the knowledge, and especially because we decided if we were going to do this, we were going to go big and try to get to financial freedom in as few doors as possible. And doing that was a big mental hurdle to say, oh my goodness, are we really going big and all in from the get-go versus starting slow and building up that empire, which is what I think a lot of people think is the approach that feels more comfortable for people. So interesting. So tell us, how big did you go and how did you become financially independent with just one property? So when we tried to figure out how we wanted to go about doing this, we really started with why were we getting into it? What were we trying to accomplish? And truly defining that allowed us to figure out what we wanted to do when we were first starting. And so we knew that it was a goal to offset W-2 income, to be able to get enough passive income in order to get to financial freedom. So we sat down and we calculated how much did we need in order to cover our living expenses. And we calculated that number to be about 150000 And so we started to say, okay, what is it going to take us to get to a property that can bring in enough passive income to be able to uh, get us to that point of financial freedom, which opens up so many other doors. And in that same 
discussion we were having, where do we want to be located? And one of the things that is great about short-term rentals is it's a lifestyle asset in addition to a money-making machine and wealth generator and all these other things. And so we decided that we wanted to have them in places that we wanted to go visit. And so from there, we started to hone in on what type of places could bring in a high enough net cash flow to be able to meet our goals, hopefully in one door, if not two. And we were able to accomplish it in our first door. Wow, it's amazing. So how big is this place and how did you make it happen? So it's a little bit convoluted because we went in and we actually started building a property prior to that ended up taking about two years to complete. In the meantime, we actually decided we were getting super impatient and decided to buy a second property. So both of those properties are very large properties. One's a beach property, one's a mountain property. One of them is a nine bedroom property that sleeps about 28. And the other one is a six bedroom property that sleeps about 16 to 18. And so it's a little bit which one went first because we kind of went all in. So we had two properties that were way bigger than anything we owned ourselves. One, it was a one point nine million dollar one was a 1.5 million dollar and so we came up with money to put down on these properties without having any actual cash flow coming back in when we first started so we definitely took a pretty giant leap saying okay we've run the numbers we've run them extremely conservatively we know that these are going to be investments that we're going to bring back return on that and so we just dove head first in Do you use property management or do you do everything yourself? So part of the dynamics with being able to offset W-2 income is that you have to meet certain criteria. So for those that aren't aware, people often talk about reps as an ability to offset W-2 income. The problem with reps, especially if you're a physician, is that you have to be able to justify that more than 50% of your time and more than 750 hours are spent in real estate, which is hard to do unless you have, for example, a stay-at-home spouse. The difference with short-term rentals is it's considered hospitality business, if you materially participate and meet, there's about seven different criteria. The two most common are greater than 500 hours in it or greater than 100 hours and more hours than anybody else. And so in order to do that, it's really hard to justify more hours than anybody else if you are not self-managing. The good news is that the automation and the software that's out there that allows you to set everything up allows you to really manage a lot of these properties with really good feet on the ground, including a handyman and cleaners. All of the rest of this, you can really set up to be super well automated. So there are weeks where I will have people in both of our properties and literally I have not had any sort of communication. And other than the fact that I stay on top of our calendar to just have an idea of who's in there and who's not, everything from sending an email for confirmations, getting the rental agreement back, getting the IDs back, sending the door code and the welcome email and the follow-up email afterwards and asking for reviews and contact for letting the cleaners know to go. All of that is completely automated. And so it's really just those one-off situations where somebody's asking questions. And I know that 2 a.m. toilet call is what everybody is terrified of. And not to say that we haven't had dynamics or issues that we've had to put out a fire rapidly. But honestly, that's the case with any sort of real estate. For example, we did have some water in our basement that had nothing to do with any of the guests that were staying there. That was something that happened just because of owning a property and it was after our new build. And so when you understand the mindset of being able to process that you can manage this with very minimal interaction and you can set it up to be so automated, it's very, very manageable to do this self-managing even from a distance. How much time it usually takes you when you 
social vehicle. It's very variable. So we choose to go out to our properties and work on them. So we will go and spend some time as family and we'll spend some time working on the properties. And we enjoy being able to do that. It very ebbs and flows depending on what we're doing. Are we setting up the property? Are we buying things? Are we checking on it? When we're out of the property, we spend a lot of time on weeks that we aren't actively managing. Again, some of the time we don't do anything in our property. And somebody was asking, okay, so how many calls did you get over the summer? And we had both of our properties fully booked for three or four months. And I counted up all of the contacts. It was something like 18 messages throughout the entire summer. Most of those messages were like, the door code will be delivered two days ahead of time, or, oh, your security deposit will be released two days afterwards. It wasn't actually a charge on your credit card. It was just a hold or things like that were a quick explanation, text message type message back. But most of our guests coming in don't require a lot of handholding. And it really is those one-offs. And typically those one-offs we're delegating out to our feet on the ground if needing something more urgent or hands-on. How far are you from your properties? Pretty far. We're up in Minnesota. Again, this is why we chose places that we want to go visit when going to the mountains and the ocean, which Minnesota does not have either of those. And so Colorado and Florida. So it's an airplane right away. And so again, you can find ways to really be able to spend time there. But also the fact that I am an airplane right away makes the contacts that I have with my boots on the ground so important to be able to be like, hey, can you take care of this? Let me know what you need so that we have a good relationship. I think it's the most important yes to have good team on the ground. How did you find good reliable people? Highway. I think this is one of the like when I talk about the biggest mental hurdles that people get over, those are the things that I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know how to find people that are going to be helpful. And it's like anything else. And this is one of my insecurities too, because we've definitely hired let's say nannies and found out somebody that is like, Oh, well, that didn't work out as well as I thought. And so then I have this insecurity that I'm like, maybe I'm really bad at finding people to work with, or maybe I'm not a very good manager, or maybe I'm not very good delegating. And so that was one of my insecurities of how do I know that I can find somebody that I trust. And I will say that we didn't hit a home run on all of our cleaners and all of our handymen at the different properties. Our cleaner in our Florida property from the get go was like, yes, you're amazing. Let me know what you need. And same thing with our handyman. But some of the other ones we've gone through like one or two different switches to find somebody that really connected with our mentality and what we were doing. And when you find those people, you say, okay, how do we make this work for both of us? And the people that we have on our team now continue to send us messages saying, thank you for trusting us being able to work in your business. We continue to want to be partners with you and same thing for us. And so I think it's with any relationship that you're building, if you can find the people who are going to serve your business well, and you invest in them, you will keep them around. Yes, it's very important. Absolutely. Did you found them like through some other people through internet forums? What was the way how you? So oftentimes it's word of mouth. I mean, you can find anything on the internet, right? So you can get on Facebook pages for local communities. I've talked to my real estate agent who then connects me with maybe a handyman who then connects me with a cleaner who then connects me with all of these other people. I'm constantly asking, who do you guys use in this area? And oftentimes by that word of mouth of who's reliable and who's not. I mean, obviously you can go to Google and then the people I work with helping people get started in short-term rentals, there's screening questions and the things you want to know 
to ask so that you can set yourself up well working with those people. But oftentimes it really is getting into the community who knows that area and you find one or two people and all of a sudden it's that snowball effect of you grow your network of resources. Very interesting, very important. Can I ask, what platforms do you use for automation? Do you use Onerez or something else? So we choose Onerez. It's not necessarily the most user-friendly to set up. There is so many different property management softwares. It's almost daunting. And especially I'm a little bit of a perfectionist on certain things. So when I started looking, I really spent so much time trying to figure out which is the best. And honestly, there's other ones that are very, very, very good. I do think that right now it's still probably considered to be the most functional of the ability to program it to do many different things. It also means it's not necessarily the easiest plug and play, but the ability to get the nuances of different things and to be able to have it automated with the specificity that is important, again, takes more setup and takes a little more learning curve, but also allows you to have much, much more functionality. Again, there's plenty of other options out there, but that's the one we've chosen to go with. I see. And if you can share some of your lessons learned and mistakes to avoid, Honestly, I think my biggest lesson learned is not letting the mental mindset get in your way. When you look at real estate, and one of the things I have is I've gone through with people I'm working with showing the numbers that even a cash flow neutral property can beat the stock market many times over because you're talking about appreciation, because you're talking about debt pay down, because you're talking about the ability of understanding how leverage and the value of a dollar works, because you're talking about tax benefits aside from cash flow, which is what everybody focuses on. And not to say I'm advocating that people are trying to invest in a cash flow losing property, but when you realize that it can still be a smart investment, even if you're not hitting a grand slam from a cash flow standpoint, it's super, super valuable to understand how real estate creates wealth. And so one of the things is there's so many mindset issues that I think stop us from saying, okay, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the money. All of these things stand in the way. And it took me five years to get to that point of getting over my analysis paralysis and when we did, we went headfirst in and we changed our world overnight. That first property got us to financial freedom. My second property replaced my clinical income. And those two properties together, I make more doing real estate than I do being a hospitalist. And so that just changes my outlook on what I value in life and how I want to spend my time. I still choose to be in medicine because I'm not ready to give it up, but also I choose to be there, right? And that's very liberating to be able to have that mindset. And so I would say one is if this is something you're wanting to do, if you want to change your life, it doesn't necessarily have to be that you create this empire to get there. You can change the trajectory of your life in even a single door. You have to figure out how to kind of get over those mindset leaps and figure out the best way and the most efficient way for you to be able to learn the information that you need in order to take those leaps and be able to be successful in the knowledge that you have when you take that leap to get into real estate. Very important, absolutely. And I was wondering, with large properties like this and risk involved, especially if there is only one or two properties and you get a mortgage, so no matter what's going on with a house, you still need to pay this mortgage. And so how do you mitigate this risk? If something, for example, happen if bad weather or for some reason, if people just don't come in this area for whatever reason, or if something happened with house itself, like water damage, mold, anything, how do you mitigate the risk? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And I think one of those mindset fears that it can be debilitating to people saying, but what if, right? 
Well, what I would say is there's nothing that's without risk with money, right? I learned this lesson at 18 when I put $2,000 in the stock market and overnight, basically I lost half of it. And I was like, wait a second. I didn't know that was a possibility, right? That's not what's going to happen in real estate. Yes, there was 2008, which places, but most places didn't even hit that big of a loss, right? There was a big hit, but look at where we are now, substantially higher than we ever were back then. And so when you look at it, where people get in trouble is that they don't necessarily run the numbers well enough. So they have unrealistic expectations and then they get frustrated. And so you need to make sure that you understand the numbers so that you're comfortable with what this looks like and what the possibilities are. And then you need to take into account the possibility of that catastrophic situation. Let's say short-term rentals are banned. And again, there's plenty of different ways to try to mitigate that risk that we can talk about. But let's say you get shut down or for some reason you have zero income coming in from short-term rentals. Well, there's ways of pivoting to long-term, to selling, to et cetera. Where you will get into trouble is if you can't weather a storm where you've taken a huge decrease in your property value. And so you would have to sell at a loss because you're losing money and you need to sell. Because if you can weather a storm by pivoting and by being able to keep it afloat for a year while the real estate market re-equilibrates, et cetera, there's ways of being able to do that. And even if you had to sell it at a loss, you can also take losses against taxes and things like that. So it's one of those that it's like, I think people get so fixated on what if I can't make it work? There's typically a pivot plan, right? And there's typically a exit strategy. You should be thinking about those and planning for those. But all of those big what ifs, you have insurance to be able to cover damage to the house. There's so many different scenarios that you can mitigate. And as long as you plan accordingly, most of those big, bad and scary are things that actually aren't quite as big and scary as they are when it's like, oh, well, what if, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I'm here in California and I used to work in a town which was unfortunately burned by a wildfire five years ago. So it's always on the back of my mind, natural disasters say happen unpredictably. If something happens like this, like how do you deal? Which is very reasonable. So some of the insurance companies offer income protection. And so they'll actually replace the income that you're losing during your season if you do have a natural disaster. So again, there's ways of mitigating against some of those big scary possibilities, I continue to encourage people not to over leverage themselves where they get into a problem where if something were to happen, they really can't keep it afloat. That's not a situation anybody wants to be in, especially with one property, you need to be able to understand what your pivot plans, exit strategies, you need to be able to feel comfortable with the amount of leverage and investment that you have in different areas. But typically, there's ways to mitigate that risk that aren't as scary as they initially sound. I see. And what three tips would you recommend to our listeners who would like to do something similar? Yeah. So I always start with what is your why? And people are like, well, I want to have passive income. And it's like, well, there's a million ways of doing that. Right. Or they'll be like, well, I want offset W2 income. And I'm like, again, some ways of doing that. But really, if you can define exactly what that why looks like and truly, truly, truly why this is important to you. And if you have a big enough why, I mean, many of your listeners are probably physicians. I think most of us had a big enough why of why we went to medicine. Right. And that has kept us going, even though medicine is hard right? 
And so if you can come up with your why and what you're trying to accomplish, that's going to help you shape what that looks like to accomplish. And then you can figure out the where and the how. I think people start with, well, where do I do it? Or how do I get there? And once you figure out that why and what you're trying to accomplish, the rest falls into place. And then the other thing I would say is figure out what's going to get you there in the way that makes the most sense for you. Pretty much anything that you want to learn is on the internet these days, right? You can almost become a doctor, not quite with Googling things. Definitely not quite, but short-term rentals, real estate is nowhere close to the level of what it is to be a doctor, right? So when you are trying to figure out how to go down this path, if it's something you're considering, figure out, are you a do-it-yourselfer? Are you somebody that needs the play-by-play and being able to understand the background information to get you there? Do you need somebody to help you get over some of those mindset issues? Is it valuable to have a mentor to be able to bounce things off of and be able to help navigate some of those struggles that oftentimes people are like, well, I learned everything from the book or the course, but now I'm stuck and I'm throwing my hands up and I'm quitting, right? And that's not where you want to be to get to those big dreams that you have. So figure out what works best for your learning style and then make it happen. Can I ask, with such large properties, who are your main guests? Is it more for like a wedding party or for some sort of celebration? So most of our properties, we are targeting, our niche is families, typically multiple families that are coming together. So I really created my guest avatar of what my main clients look like. And so this is typically either a multi-generational family or a group of extended friends who tend to come together, multiple adults, also multiple children who have multiple different needs that they're looking for. But it makes so much more sense to have that community kitchen, everybody together versus a hotel. And so we're not competing against hotels, we're competing in the locations we're at against other big properties that allow these families to come and be together. And so it doesn't take much to have two, three families want to come together and to be able to want to book a bigger place that says, hey, instead of paying the hotel, however many bedrooms, to be able to accommodate us, all four families go together. And all of a sudden, this huge amount that gets paid for a one night stay divided by four families is very reasonable. But there's only 365 days a year that you can rent your properties out. And so being able to drive up that really high nightly rate, especially in the high season, is where you can bring in a significant amount of revenue. And that's the niche that we target makes sense absolutely do you allow pets also we do so especially in the colorado area it is goal to have a property that is large can fit more than 12 people that is close to either ski in or ski out ours is actually next to the gondola instead of ski and ski out but basically if you're accessible if you can have 12 people and you allow dogs i'm competing with so many fewer properties and so we get booked very very highly because we show up for so many more people who are looking for that than other things. But this is where really, really, really understanding what your market is and who is trying to rent in specific markets is incredibly valuable to understand. And oftentimes when people come to me and say, well, that's fine, you had success. I've looked in that market and there is nothing that makes sense. And we start drilling down, well, what are you looking at? And what price point, what type of property? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, that's why you're not finding anything that makes sense is because you're not looking for the right property in the right location. 
location. For example, my nine bedroom beach property does extremely well. A nine bedroom property in LA, probably not going to do as well. It's just a different niche that you're targeting in different areas and understanding what drives that market and where it's oversaturated and undersaturated can really help you be super successful in this area. It is very important point. Oh, it's so interesting. Thank you so much for coming here. And I'd like to hear a little about your program, what you offer and how you do it. Sure. So I ended up falling into mentoring other people in this space. People were hearing that I got to financial freedom in our first store and replaced income with the second. And I think so many people have been sold the story that, okay, real estate is valuable, but the way to do it is you churn and burn. You buy a property, you recycle, you get a bigger property, you get a bigger property. And then all of a sudden you have this empire that eventually is going to allow you to exit medicine. And that was not the way that we wanted to go about doing things. And I think that resonated with other people to say, wait a second, can we do this in a different way than what has been sold as that typical long-term rental or that typical multifamily or syndications or those types of things? And so I fell into having people asking, how do I do this? And so I ended up creating a program. I have a course and I do offer that as a standalone, as a little bit of a less expensive product that people can purchase if you're more that do-it-yourself person who needs to understand the foundation. But once you understand the knowledge, you're good to go. And so I do offer that as a course if people are interested in that. But my real passion is actually working with people and watching people really change their life. And so the program that I actually have has the course that gives five different key areas. It's over 30 modules over the course of six months to really go from contemplation to purchasing the property, to setting it up, to launching the property, to managing and to really being able to scale that property to the maximum ability. So it has that foundation, but then it also has a small group mastermind so that you really are building your community and network of other people who are doing the same thing, which again, Again, when I go back to talking about cleaners and handymen, where do you find those people? You use your network, you use your community, you grow that community. And all of a sudden, as you start growing that, the doors that open to you become so much more infinite. And so that small group mastermind, the feedback you get from not just me, but multiple other people who have different thoughts and values and vision of what things should look like is truly invaluable. And then the third part of it is one-on-one mentorship with me, where we really do a deep dive in finances, or we do a deep dive on those what ifs and the big, bad and ugly thoughts and trying to get over those mindset issues that all of us have, right? And so I really tried to put together that full comprehensive program that says, if I were to have done this and wanted to do it without five years of analysis paralysis, what would it have taken me? And I've tried to put that together into a package and I am financially free. I still work. I do it because it's my passion project and I love to watch people really change their life. And I get a ton of value back from being able to be a part of it. It is so interesting, so awesome you're doing good. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast and for sharing your very amazing story and all of those helpful practical tips. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed it or found it helpful, please subscribe, leave a five-star review and share with a friend. Have any topics you'd like covered? Send me an email at joyfulsuccessliving at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram to connect at Joyful Success Living. Have an amazing week. See you next time. The Voices of Women Physicians podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not provide any medical, financial, tax, legal, or psychological services or advice. 
you're responsible for your own well-being, decisions and results. Dr. Resnik is a practicing physician, but Voices of Women Physicians podcast is not reflective of the opinion of her employer. You should always contact professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.